2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations.
3: And now Justin Tucker will come on. This is going to be an epically long field goal. This will, in fact, be a 66-yard attempt for Justin Tucker. <laughs> Tucker's ready. There's the snap. And Tucker's kick is on the way. It is Good! off the crossbar. And it tumbles through.
2: <laughs> off the crossbar. And through. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable.
3: Unbelievable. Justin Tucker with the longest field goal in NFL history. That hay is in the barn. The longest field goal in the history of the NFL has just beaten the Detroit Lions.
1: Only the Lions. Only the f-ing Lions.
2: Wow. And, you know, that's still a weird, Chris, optical illusion a year later. Even now when I watch that from the end zone view, it looks like it hits the crossbar and bounces back and lands on the ground when it's actually hitting the, the, the net. I still see it now, and in my brain, it's hitting, bouncing back, and landing in the field, not going through and hitting the net.
3: Well, there's a, I, think there's, I, I think one of the best parts of the, the video is you, you catch Lions fans who I think think it bounced the same way, where they're like, they're cheering because they think he missed it. And then you see the delayed reaction to go, oh, no, wait, it bounced the other way and went in. That was one of the most unbelievable moments ever. Uh, that really was, and they—they they were truly like the cardiac cardiac kids there early in the year, the Baltimore Ravens. And he is phenomenal. He's the greatest. He's the greatest kicker I, I've ever seen. That's all I'll say in, in my lifetime of football. I know you've been around longer than I have, but I've never seen so many such, such a guy so automatic and so explosive at the same time with his right leg. Uh, he's a—he's a weapon for this football team. We were talking after the
2: show yesterday about the shift from the straight-on toe kick to the soccer style, as they called it derisively in the early 70s. The Europeans were invading and taking the sport over, at least displacing all the Lou Groza's straight-on toe kickers. But it's more accurate, more strength, and we just keep seeing the kicks get longer and longer. Chris, when I was a kid, a 40-yard field goal was impressive. right? And then at some point, 50 became Wow, 50, you're really, 50, you've been drinking? Yeah, yeah. And now it's like 50's automatic. big deal. (laughs) 50's no big deal. 50's not even impressive anymore. No, You impress me when you get to 55, 56, 57, 60. You want to impress me, you kick a 60-yarder. I mean, you got safeties kicking 65-yarders in practice for crying out loud. So I think it's just a matter of time before somebody hits from 70. And I, I agree, Justin Tucker is the best kicker that I've seen. For a career, right? I know Adam Vinatieri has more clutch kicks because he's had more opportunities to have the clutch kick. The kicker is kind of limited by, you know, the rest of the team. Right? The kicker comes in when it's otherwise set up, and then the question is, does he deliver or not? I I tend to think that Justin Tucker would have been able to deliver in the same spots, that Adam Vinatieri did, and Vinatieri is going to get a bronze bust for his exploits, and Tucker will too for different reasons. It's a sustained greatness really from the first moment we became aware of him it has never wavered other than like remember he had like a weird missed extra point against the saints one year yep. like what the hell justin tucker that never happens right that's the
3: only time it ever happened yeah yeah it's the only time i ever remember going wait he didn't deliver right there what 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 you're right like what what happened he was automatic to that point um but it, it there's such a comfort and confidence he can bring to your football team at the end of a game just because of hey we don't have to drive the length of the field. I mean, if you remember that drive, they were backed up with a big fourth down and Lamar made a great like, you know, I think it was fourth and 17 or 19 or it might have been fourth and 25 and he hits the deep crosser across the field and you're, you get close to midfield and you start to go, whoa, we're we're at midfield. Few more yards and we're in Justin Tuck range. And that takes great pressure off an, an offense and, and gives a team confidence that way. He's, he's amazing. Uh, he really is and um it's it's nice to see that they've rewarded him it's funny i do the madden ultimate team every year
2: and of course i'm getting close to the point where the team that i have gradually built that kicks ass and takes names is going to be reset to 59 across the board but once you get that justin tucker kicker you're right you're getting points you cross the 50 you're in field goal range Yes, that is a huge benefit for the Ravens offense, they're getting three. They're getting three a lot more easily than other teams. And speaking of three, the Cowboys brought in three kickers yesterday for tryouts. I mean, you either have Justin Tucker or you don't. And most teams don't. And the Ravens were wise to keep him. Here's, and here's why we're even talking about it. They signed him to a contract extension yesterday. Justin Tucker meeting with reporters to talk about how quickly his new record deal, $6 million per year, came together.
1: This did come together quickly. Uh, I joked to Harbs one day out at practice. We were just kind of generally talking about the idea. I said, "I think something could get done in like five minutes," and sure enough, it took about five minutes. I mean, we just and the, the way that uh, Nick Matteo, uh, Eric DeCosta, the way the everybody upstairs handled, uh, you know, handled the 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 process was. Um, you know, it was, it was just really, really good. What was and continues to be most important to me is, um, you know, just being in the plans for building a championship, um, you know, and feeling valued uh, as a part of that process. So, uh, like, listen, this, this deal for sure checks all the boxes for me. Um, you know, and for all intents and purposes, this is a, the type of deal that will, you know, more than ensure that I will, you know, be a a Raven for life. And, you know, for, for, for that alone, I couldn't be more happy.
2: I recall Justin Tucker had a contentious negotiation with the Ravens. The last time around, he was franchise tagged. It didn't look good. Then it finally worked. And you know what? I frankly think that now I don't want to psychoanalyze the situation, but Justin Tucker does have an agent. And I think the Ravens were so happy to have a break from the Lamar Jackson morass and actually have an agent to negotiate with, it did take five minutes. And look, Chris Boswell just got a contract last week right, and pays that's him $5 right, million a year. Exactly right. That be- Boom. Okay, Boswell yeah. five, Tucker six. Right. It's a lot of money for Tucker, and it's a steal for the Ravens. Pete was making the point during the break, and look, kickers are kickers, all due respect, but this guy's the best one. I think he's undersold at six. I agree with Pete on this. I think he should be getting more than six million a year. I think he's that good. He helps your team that much that he does have a greater value. Because, yeah, you can get some other kicker for a lot less, but he ain't going to be Justin Tucker, and it's going to
3: change the dynamic of your team. A hundred percent it will. Uh, We've seen in our lifetime teams that are Super Bowl teams who can't get there or can't win playoff games just because the kicker's not good uh there there's been plenty throughout history where you go man the team is a super bowl team but man wow, they lost these three or four games because the the kicker missed a chip shot field goal or missed a you know a game winner that was pretty makeable and now they're a 39 wild...
2: yard field goal missed after not missing any all year exactly. long exactly like well yeah. i was yeah. just about to go <laughs> 1998
3: <laughs> uh, Vikings <laughs> <laughs> i know i was just about to go there i'm glad but yeah I mean, there's been a few instances of that where maybe it didn't even come down to the championship game, but it it led to a team to, oh, they're only in the wild card round. And now, you know, it's an uphill battle from there. Or they just missed out on the playoffs because they missed two or three games that way. There's great value there. And yeah, the deal definitely got done because of Boswell. This is one of those where it is so obvious that he's the best that I'm sure they felt a little uncomfortable almost the fact that they were like, wait somebody surpassed him, like, this guy is on another level from the rest of the league. And I don't think anybody's really going to argue that. So good for them to do that. And and you're right. I wouldn't have been – he's getting six. Boswell's getting five. That's a 20, 20% increase. But he probably is worth more than that. I, I wouldn't have been mad if he was getting seven and Boswell got five. I think he is that great. I'm, I'm with you and Pete on that one. Next on the list is Falcons kicker Youngway Koo at $4.85 million
2: per year and jersey guys are making a lot more than they've ever made but they still don't get a big piece of the salary cap i mean six million is underpaid it really is for justin tucker the ravens should be very happy and tucker gets a new deal with two years left on his last one that's great but he's he's still more valuable to the ravens than that contract would suggest so but hey if he's happy with it right yeah it's it's a win-win if the player's happy that's all that matters and he got more money than he otherwise would have gotten so he can be happy the Ravens are happy to welcome back J.K. Dobbins from the pup list torn ACL in the final preseason game last year remember it was like one guy after another Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins and and uh, now and Dobbins was great he averaged six yards per carry in 2020 as a rookie led all NFL running backs um, and there was a question, there was a back and forth earlier this year, I think, with him and Ian Rappaport about whether or not he's going to be ready for week one. All signs are he's going to be ready for week one. And what, what, Think about how the Ravens fought and scratched and clawed last year through all of that adversity from preseason. They they come into the year uh-huh. with a, a stacked deck, and they keep it together. They're a team to be reckoned with,
3: not just in the conference, but in that Bengals-Steelers-Browns-AFC North. Yes. I'm glad you said that. That's where I was going. I mean, watch out for the Ravens. Watch out. Uh, they were killed by injuries last year. Just absolutely ravaged. and. Again, it's a running football team. They're built around their genius and Greg Roman and the run schemes. Ronnie Stanley was hurt, right? I mean, they had issues. They had no Orlando Bloom. You know, this year – or Orlando Brown, excuse me. <clears throat> this year you hope – Orlando – did you relume? see Orlando I know. Bloom? I just wanted to give the Katie actor? Perry's husband a little a little Ronald lump. Reagan, <laughs> the actor? <laughs> All right. But, yeah, I, I mean, we, I, I think that is a very real thing. I think we got to get back into Baltimore's a legit Super Bowl contender. When you evaluate the culture of their team, the people they got on their team, there's a lot of talent across the board. And I think a year like last year, where you know they just missed out and all that, I, I definitely have Baltimore as one of those teams Mark to go, you know, watch out, didn't make the playoffs last year, but I think is a serious Super Bowl contender this year.
2: Yeah, look, I agree with you completely, and uh, there's a lot of Super Bowl contenders in the AFC. It's insane. But it all comes down to all these little things we're talking about: injuries, motivation. There's a target on the Bengals. There's no target on the Ravens. There's nothing on the Ravens. That suits them perfectly. Yes. Because when, when you have a team that is being overlooked, number one, they don't get a big head. You don't have to worry about that. If you're John Harbaugh, you don't have to worry about anybody reading their press clippings preseason. Nobody thinks anything of the Ravens. And then he can turn around and use it as a chip on his shoulder. Exactly. Nobody believes in you guys. Exactly. It's the perfect double whammy to be overlooked when you have a good team and nobody's paying attention to you.
3: That's right. I mean, we know John Harbaugh. He's the chippiest of the chippies. I mean, he is. You know he's feeding, that, you know, the, feeding the beast there and pouring gasoline on the fire with that conversation. Plus, you know, as we've talked about with certain teams, they just seem to collect those kind of guys anyways. They kind of collect the guys that are like, wait, we haven't been in a bar fight in a few days. What's wrong with this? Let's get in a bar fight. We like that. That's what we do. You know, they. I always say they pillage the biggest, baddest dudes on the planet every year. And they've improved their secondary. Their O-line should be healthy. If the running backs are healthy along with it, don't worry about all the, oh, no, they don't have great receivers. They got enough there. They got some young receivers and a tight end that are really damn good and an electric quarterback. And, uh, you know, new fresh look on defense here without Wink Martindale. So I am very excited to see what they bring to the table. And I, I think you're right. I think they're one of those teams that's going of be on, the, on a mission. And especially with a quarterback – that I don't know. It's still the weirdest contract situation ever. Ain't happening, but, ain't happening. No, I'm agree. So it's going to even have him more motivated. Exactly. That's be in what a I'm saying. Here. Exactly right. Yep. So he's going to be more motivated on top of his game, so he can maybe get to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl, and then be like, "Here, make me the highest paid player Joe in the Flacco. NFL." Exactly. Joe Flacco. Exactly. Ten years
2: later, yeah. the exact Joe Flacco situation. Best offer made by the Ravens. No thank you. I'll go win the Super Bowl. I'll go be the MVP of the Super Bowl, and then you're gonna to have to make me the highest-paid player in football. Even then, I'm not sure the Ravens and Lamar Jackson can work out a contract without an agent. But that's for down the road. Uh, you mentioned offensive line. There is one injury issue, and it is right at the heart of the offensive line. First-round center Tyler mm. Linderbaum. There was a report that he has a Lisfranc injury in his foot. Obviously, that's never a good thing. Here's John Harbaugh talking about that yesterday to reporters.
1: There was an NFL Network report
2: that um, Linderbaum was dealing with a Liz Frank sprain. Is that, is that new information?
3: That's not true. Okay.
2: That's not true. It's not a Liz Frank sprain. There is a ligament. It's not that ligament. It's a different ligament. So he's had the Liz Frank before. There's no separation. There's no Liz Frank sprain per se. That's my understanding. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I play one in press conferences, as you know. But... That's uh, that's what I was told.
3: So the news is the same as the last time we talked. To you. Yeah,
2: he's just got he's got he's got a soft tissue you know type of a deal, a ligament type of a deal on his foot, that uh, is not a serious thing. But you know we want it to be right and healed, so you know it's going to take a few little bit of time. But it's not a Liz Frank. Not a Liz Frank. Now look, he's, he's got an issue that he's got to work through. But hey, anything other than a season-ending injury is a bonus after what John Harbaugh was used to last year in training camp in the preseason he's gonna be gone for a little while that's fine at least I know I'm gonna get him back at some point after, unlike all those guys that we lost last year so it's just one of those we'll we'll wait and see and he's a guy could you know, he's a uh-huh. classic we heard so much about Sam Mills over the weekend five foot nine the is Jason Garrett I'll tell you know five foot nine too small to play in the NFL too small to play in the CFL goes to the USFL and shows that height doesn't matter and Linda Baum, who, what, he would have been taken much, much higher if he checked the boxes. Right. He very well may check the boxes by kicking the asses
3: uh, at the heart of the offensive line when it's time to go to business. Hey, I, 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 I'm even I fall in that trap to a degree. You know, I get ready to turn on the film with him, and I go, man, he's only this big. I'm, I'm a fan of, you know, big effers, especially up front. I want their asses to be big, I want their thighs to be big, and I want them to be able to lean and wear people out and I think that 's Baltimore is what they got on the offensive line for the most part, except this guy, even though undersized, is just so special you you turn on the film and you go, "Oh oh okay, so what he 's two hundred ninety eight or three oh two i don 't know. I watch college football, big Ten football, nobody ever moves the damn guy. nobody can do anything you know and you get to see him play against NFL caliber talent in that. And and he's incredibly athletic. To me, he's the closest thing I've seen to Jason Kelsey since I've been in this side of the business as far as, you know, that athletic, really athletic, can get on the edge, but also can handle the power of the big guys that are right in his face after he has to snap the ball. Yeah, I hope he is okay. I want to see the Ravens at full strength. I do. Uh, they're fun uh, to watch. You know, they're, they're a fun team as far as their culture and the edge they bring to it, and they're the bullies of the NFL, and I'd like to see them at full strength this year. I certainly would, so I'm hoping that he'll be okay and the rest of their O-line will be okay. Uh, I don't know if the rest of the AFC North has those sentiments, but I certainly do.
2: We have said so much about how compelling the games played among the teams of the AFC West will be this year. We have given short shrift to how compelling the games played among the teams of the AFC north will be the Steelers are going to be better than people realize the Ravens are being overlooked the Bengals are the bullies of the block and the Browns who the hell knows at this point but they got but talent on without that team. Deshaun Watson yeah they've got a good defense and they've got a good offense they've right. got things and and they will be that team that everyone's like ah, without Deshaun Watson they're gonna stink no no and it, it again you don't yeah. get a big head. And you also have a chip on your shoulder. A great opportunity for Kevin Stefanski. Uh, Makai Becton moved from left side to right side of the Jets' offensive line this year, playing right tackle. The Jets are concerned about a knee injury that happened during team drills on Monday. More tests are set for today. He was 11th overall pick in 2020. He is a mountain of a human, and he has missed 18 of 33 games his first two seasons due to injury. His latest... Situation occurs after the Jets brought free agent Dwayne Brown to town for a visit. They got George Fant on the left side now, Mackay Beckton on the right side, but he tweaked that knee yesterday. There was no ACL tear, I believe, the MRI showed, but there is other concern and it, uh, again, keep your cards close to the vest until you get Dwayne Brown under contract. There's there's a very real reason to be circumspect about the extent of an injury while you're trying to replace a guy, and they may be ha- trying to replace Mackay Becton for a while or maybe longer, depending upon what happened to that knee yesterday.
3: Yeah, I know. It, it's a sh- it's a shame. I I, would, I just would. He's one of those guys. I'd love to see what he looks like healthy. I I am concerned. I, I get concerned. You know, just because. My history in the game, you follow the game, we know this. When you're that large of a human being and you have those issues, it's just it's it's a lot of stress there. And then, of course, you are coming off a of surgery. And it's just, it's not, you know, it's not like you or me. It's not like, you know, John we see down in the corner who's 5'9 and 174 pounds coming back. No, this is a guy that's, yes, 350 and able to apply force into the ground that's way greater than that. And... I I do worry about his status, Uh, so uh, this is something to watch for. I, I felt like the Jets had the offensive line in a good spot. And I think even yesterday, right at the end of the show, I was or during commercial break, I was kind of like, huh, you know, I wonder, you know, why they got Dwayne Brown in there? Are they a little worried about something? I think that was our answer. I think there's been some. I wouldn't be shocked if this has been acting up a little by little, and this is on their radar. And then yesterday was the day where it was like, oh crap, now he's he is limping and he can't practice. So I would think for the status they're at right now, Joe Douglas, Robert Sala. Such a big year, and guess who they got to play the first four games of the year? The AFC North. Uh, they, 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 they might have to sign Dwayne Brown, and so what if you got to throw a few extra pennies and dollars at them to make that done, get that done? you got to change that narrative here in New York, and I think they got enough talent on this football team, but they got to stay healthy and find a way to steal a win or two early in the game to gain a little confidence.
2: I don't know who or how. The Jets pissed someone off at 345 Park Avenue, but the last two years have unreal. Had a crippling front end of the schedule. They've got winnable games this year, but by the time they get to them, all hope will be lost, potentially. They're going to be underdogs like every game the first half of the season i mean it's, it's ridiculous and uh, th- so that means they got to be ready to go week one and that may be with dwayne brown on board let's take a break we're going to look at the nfc west our training camp grab bag series continues with the division that currently is ruled by the rams we'll be back with more pft live right after this Von Miller, newest member of the Bills, or at least one of them, trying to get Odo Beckham Jr. to town with a Photoshop. Pretty well done, too, of OBJ with the Buffalo Bills. Let's chase this ring again, said Miller. OBJ responded, what's the locker next to you look like? Hey, Chris, remember... When we were talking about teams haven't had that willingness to go all in, I said at one point, yeah. If the Bills had gone after Von Miller and OBJ instead of the Rams, they're the ones who would have won the Super Bowl. I, I, you, it's it's about knowing when to strike. You you lay you, you lay the foundation for your team. You're competitive. You're you're making, and then you got to
3: know when to go grab the brass ring. And that's what the Rams did, and the Bills didn't. Agree with that, I. I, I mean, Mike, I think we were both saying that. I, I was on my podcast a lot, lot, lot last year as one of those that the Bills need another weapon. It can't just be Josh Allen all the time creating all these plays, run game, scrambling, blah, blah, blah. Oh, there's Stephon Diggs. You know, I thought it was curious that we just, we we kind of made fun of this last week where, you know, we were talking about like, wait, who's going to be their go-to number two receiver? But yet you can turn on certain football shows and they're like, he's got the best weapons in the world. And I want to be like, who are we talking about? Who other than Stefan Diggs are we talking about? It's the best weapons in the world. I feel like it's the haters of the world on Josh Allen who don't want to buy in yet. They're slowly getting there for the most part. But I'm with you. And especially with the AFC, the way we see it is. You know, and you explained to start the show. It's so close. It's a play here, a play there. It's the Odell Beckham Juniors of the world that can make those type of plays where you go, hey, we didn't play our best ball today, but damn. That guy, number three right there, he caught a pass over the middle and broke a tackle and outran everybody for 70 yards. And that got us over the hump, you know, like Tyreek Hill did to the Bills right there, you know, at the end of that game. So I, I do still look at them and go, wow, it's a good roster. There's no doubt about it. I know that. They're a Super Bowl team. But I, I would feel better about them if there was one more weapon on that side of the ball that scared people a little bit. And uh, and I would I would hope that he's on their radar you know, to make a move at some point.
2: By the way, we're supposed to be talking about the NFC West, but I do have to ask you, Chris, if you noticed the video of Josh Allen, leaving the field at Highmark stadium, in that recent scrimmage and somebody actually threw a football in the box, the, the box right. at Josh Allen. And it looked like it hit him in a very sensitive area as he was running past. How, what do you expect? Hey, Hey, Here's, here's the football I'm going to throw at your crotch. Please sign it and give it back to me. I, it, it was so bizarre yes. to see that happen.
3: It's, uh, it, was, what, it was going on because I've seen a few videos, right? People were throwing their jerseys at Stefan Diggs just hoping he would sign it and throw it back up. And then Josh Allen comes by, and you're right, it's crazy. Uh, just a box and a ball, like thrown out to him. And it looks like it did hit him in the Franken beans. So quite, quite honestly. <laughs> all right. And like, he should be penalized for that. You should have to come down to the field. Josh Allen gets to take the ball out of the box. And now he gets to throw it as hard yeah, as he can at you for that penalty. Crew, That's what I'd like to say.
2: Walking boss. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Um, well, and it remains to be seen whether or not there's any LA Lakers effect. Hey, we'll, see. I don't know we'll how see squarely i don't know <laughs> if it was quite vince wilfork style right for you but uh but still it was just weird to see like what do you think you're gonna get out of this exchange when you throw the ball in the box into the crotch of uh josh allen all right grab bag training camp nfc west let's start with the rams what's more likely this season Allen robinson newcomer from the bears has 1200 or more receiving yards or bobby wagner new cover from the Seahawks is a first team all pro.
3: What's I, more likely? I'm going to go with the Bobby Wagner first team all pro. Uh, he's still a really good football player. You know, he's on a marquee football team where, you know, even if he you know doesn't play at an all pro level, I think he'd probably get a lot of votes for that just because he's the popular name of that position and you know sometimes th- that can go on a little too long and guys like that's career where they keep getting votes like that. Allen Robinson, yeah, i got to see it a little to believe it. I do think he can dance around that 1,000 yards, certainly. 1,200 to me is another stratosphere that I don't know if I'm willing to go there quite yet, so I'll go with Bobby Wagner, first-team All-Pro. Yeah, I
2: agree with you. Reputation means a lot when it's time to cast those ballots. Last year, he was a second-team All-Pro for the first time in five years. He had five straight seasons as a first-team All-Pro. You get with a better team you're going to be more likely to be the first-team All-Pro. We're right. going to hear a lot about uh, Bobby Wagner this year with the Rams. All right, let's move on to the 49ers. Buy or sell? This preseason matters more to Trey Lance than any other
3: second-year quarterback. I'm buying that all the way. All the way. Yes, that's a guy that's got to play. He's got to get used to life in the NFL. Got to keep his body safe. Got to throw the appropriate balls that we talk about so much last off season. where it's like, hey, you can't throw the ball 105 miles per hour when the guy's four feet in front of your face and expect him to catch it. So it's all of that. There's some polish that needs to go on. And I also think within that, it's important to him it's important to Shanahan, I think, to kind of figure out what he can expect or how much he can handle or how he wants to play that way. So I am buying that all the way. I think it's clearly the most important preseason uh, for any of the second year quarterbacks.
2: Yeah, look, I think it's important for Trevor Lawrence, but he doesn't have the pressure on him that Lance does and the scrutiny. That's That's the difference. This is his chance. He's got to get ready. Everyone's watching. They gave up Jimmy Garoppolo to get him. They invested three first-round picks plus to get him. Everything he does is going to be watched very carefully, and his durability, I think, is going to be the most important factor, and that's going to hover over him all year long. Fill in the blank. The Cardinals player who needs the biggest preseason is who?
3: Uh, they, I, I, I'm going to bring up somebody that I, I kind of had this conversation a little yesterday on on, on the uh, Chris Sims Unbuttoned podcast. I'm going to go with Isaiah Simmons. And you know, I, again, I know a lot of the starters and those players are not going to play a ton, but Isaiah Simmons. This is year three, right? There was some disappointment last year about how he played. He was taken out of the lineup in some certain situations. He wasn't starting games. You know, I think he's got to learn to maybe play a little bit more of a physical brand of football, take on blocks, learn how to get up, fill this hole, do that. We know he's an athletic specimen, sideline to sideline and all that, but they got rid of, um, uh, you know, uh, he went up to the Minnesota Vikings, Uh, Hicks, the linebacker, Jordan Hicks. Jordan Hicks. Thank you. I wanted to say Akeem Hicks and I couldn't get it, get it through my brain there. They got rid of him so Orlando he's, Bloom he's a guy he's a guy that I'm gonna have my eye on you know they took a chance on him taking him the top 10 thinking that you know hey he played all these positions in college but we think we can make him you know a linebacker in the middle of the field and do that and I don't know if that's necessarily paid off for them quite yet so i am going to be looking at him closely
2: I'm gonna flip it back to the guy that was all the focus of all the scrutiny and criticism two weeks ago in Kyler Murray because I remember they had a an ESPN preseason game last year, and their offense was crap. It was horrible, and he was talking to Lisa Solders on the sideline. Oh, he didn't kinda, want to play. Oh, it doesn't really, it doesn't really yeah. matter. It's just a preseason, right? And yeah, they, they 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 were pretty damn good out of the gates. But you throw on top of it the homework clause and all that, and if if he sputters this offseason, it's going to be a lot more conspicuous than it was last offseason.
3: Yeah, I, uh, preseason. Uh, yeah, I know. I, you're, well, you're right. He's He's not going to be able to get away with maybe some of that. People are in to extra, you know, extra scrutiny over comments like that, and you know, yeah, he 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 took that right, you know, head on last year. Uh, you know, the preseason. I just want to play when it's real and all of that. Uh, he's gonna, he's going to have to be careful maybe with some of that wording now that this whole contract situation arose a few weeks ago. On to the
2: Seahawks, which doesn't belong and why Russell Wilson trade returns in Seattle. Drew Locke, Noah Fant. Charles Cross, he was the guy that the Seahawks selected with the first-round pick they acquired from the Denver Broncos, which doesn't belong and why. Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Charles Cross. Ooh, that's a tough one here. I think the
3: uh, – I'm going to go with Charles Cross here. Uh, you know, Charles Cross, to me, is the unknown. We know what Noah Fant is. He's got a chance to be one of the pass, better pass-catching tight ends in football. We've seen enough there to know he has that type of talent. Drew Locke, same thing. We know what he is. Talented guy that needs to learn to take care of the football and take advantage of his opportunities, which you, I think, were wise to point out last year when he got in as a backup quarterback. And then Charles Cross is ultra-talented, but raw. Didn't get asked to do a whole lot at Mississippi State. You know, top 10 pick. Got all this potential and all that as well, but... You know, I, I got I to gotta see it to believe it. Is he going to be able to contribute to the team right away? I'll go with him as the the guy that doesn't belong for those reasons.
2: I'm going to go with the simplest, most obvious, lowest-hanging fruit. Drew I'm going to say Drew Locke yeah. because they put out their first depth chart, non-binding, officially unofficial depth chart of the preseason. And Locke is the only one who isn't a starter. I like Charles yours better. I should have picked that. Charles Cross is in yeah. as the left tackle, starting left tackle, right out of the gates. Now, for Fant – He's listed as the starter, but there's an or between him and Will Disley. So they didn't do co-starters. Sometimes they'll do that. But they've got Noah Fett first string, and then they've got Disley in the second string column with an or in between, and then Lockett number two behind Geno Smith. Pete Carroll is going to do everything he can to will Geno Smith to be the starting quarterback of this team because he wants, I believe, Russell Wilson's backup to beat Russell Wilson week one. He wants nothing more than to beat Russell Wilson with his understudy from last year. Well,
3: I think there's that, and this is another thing that I I wish I would have said yesterday that I I didn't quite articulate a little, is I would worry about the emotions of Drew Locke in that game of, wait, I'm going to show Denver what they missed out on. I'm gonna show them. I'm gonna fit this ball into a 40-yard tight window down the field. Oh, it got intercepted. Hey, Pete, we're down by 21 because I've been my ego got the best of me, and I'm trying to throw lasers around to show Denver they messed up. That would worry me. Let let alone we know that's in him a little already. So I think between your point and that right there, and they know what Gino is, and he's in the trust tree, all that. I, I that's where I, I'm with you all the way.
2: But it's not like they traded Drew Locke because they were able to get.
3: I know. I know it
2: wasn't you know, like it was some
3: slappy they Tua, got. Right. I right?
2: Got or, or just some average run-of-the-mill guy. It's Russell Wilson. I get it. So I I get like to, it. I'd like to think that, that Drew Locke, I, I don't know. Don't I, think would that. Would he squander You're his chance mad. to hold the job? <laughs> would, would, you know, would, would he squander his chance to hold the job all year long by, by trying to do too much? Against the Denver Broncos or I, I don't I don't know. But it's a good point. It's something to think about. I just think that Pete Carroll wants Geno Smith on that field. I agree. For that with game that. and see how long he holds it. And if it doesn't work out, then you go to Drew Locke at some point. All right. By the way, here's the video of Josh Allen. Uh you gotta protect the McNuggets, Josh. Oh, there it is. Boom! Oh, and, you know, I don't I don't know if it really got him because, as any man knows who's taken a shot there, there's a delayed reaction. He may have been doubled over deeper into the tunnel. <laughs> no doubt. I still don't know what the physiology of that is, but it's real, folks. I've tried to explain this to my wife. Ugh. You don't feel the pain quite that immediately. Hans Molden did right? not— it
3: <laughs> Why does it take ten <laughs> seconds to hit you, and I, then you're like, "Oh I, no, it it hurts a lot," and then you gotta is, bend over and take a knee. And and as Eddie Murphy said in one of his
2: bits back in the day, you don't have to hit them; you just have to graze them. <laughs> and you st- and you're like, "Was that?" And then and then you and then you are Hans Molman doubled it, over in agony. Sorry, it's Hans. Deep, it's
3: a deep subject. It's a deep subject. It,
2: I'd like to get. We better. Into we, better this, quit, we better quit. We better quit. Playing that, or we're gonna owe Fox a, a lot of money. Let's take a break. Uh, more PFT live right after this. Oh.
1: For me, I'm just gonna go out there, uh, enjoy every bit of it, uh, and try to find a way to get back to that big game and win it. Because I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's everybody's goal.
3: Patrick Mahomes, good luck this year.
1: I appreciate it. Nice nice handshake. Nice handshake you have there.
3: Real nice one. <laughs> In St. Joseph Missouri with Patrick Mahomes, I'm Peter King. I'm
1: going to get one more of those. Man, just one more one more handshake from you.
3: <laughs> well done. Look at that. Who says you can't teach an old dog new tricks? The Peter King quarterback handshake tour, aka the Peter King training camp tour, hits Chief Camp, hit Chief Camp yesterday. Sorry Chiefs. Next stop is Denver Broncos later this week. You can catch all his interviews At our new NFL YouTube page, YouTube.com/slash NFL on NBC. I like to see that. You know, he's teachable. He's coachable. Mahomes, Mahomes got him right. Josh Allen exposed him. Mahomes got him right. Good teamwork by the two young quarterbacks there. Peter King was as oblivious to the handshake offer from Josh Allen as Josh Allen
2: was to the football that he took to the crotch. (laughs) Continuing the subject, we're 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 hard at work researching the entire medical reality that that we have to deal with when we do get hit in that spot. All right. The NFL Players Association has been reeling in recent days. It was a weird week. On Monday there was a sense of celebration. Judge Sue L. Robinson suspends Deshaun Watson only six games, even though she found that he committed multiple violations of the personal conduct policy in multiple different ways and that he wasn't truthful about it. He engaged in nonviolent sexual assault and somehow the legal Maneuverings of Jeffrey Kessler managed to limit it to six games. What a victory. Oh crap, the NFL has appealed the decision to the NFL. We're screwed now. That's kind of how the week went. And one of the things that we were explaining, Chris, very loudly and very confidently was the idea that unless the NFLPA appeals the six game suspension, any saber rattling about a lawsuit that could be filed by the NFLPA with a request that the suspension be delayed until the case is resolved. And we saw Tom Brady on the field for a year, and we saw Ezekiel Elliott on the field for much of a year because of that kind of success in court. Ho, ho, Browns fans perking up about the possibility of Deshaun Watson playing week one. And we said, no, 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 stop it. Unless the NFLPA appeals the six-game suspension, he's out for the first six weeks. The only question is, does it continue beyond Week Six? If, as we assume, Peter Harvey levies a much greater suspension, so it—I mean, we were as clear as we could be. Yeah. But somebody connected to the union was talking to reporters who aren't lawyers and who don't understand how this works, and that's fine. But it was getting traction over the weekend. This idea that well, maybe, maybe, maybe he will play Week One. No, he's not playing Week One. And finally, finally, Charles Robinson, to his credit, because he was one of the ones who who got bamboozled by whoever was saying whatever they were saying, he acknowledged that they backed off. He acknowledged that it's done. And, of course, now I'm I'm hearing from people with the union. It was never a thing. Well, why didn't you you say that three days ago when I was pushing back on on this with a point-by-point explanation of why it doesn't make sense? And the most obvious reason is you've got to appeal that decision. If you don't appeal that decision and you go to court and you say, we'd like him to play week one, the first question from the judge is, Did you appeal the decision that suspended him for the first six games of the year? No. You're done then. You're done. Because the NFL didn't appeal those six. Right. The NFL wants it longer. The NFL wrote its paperwork to make it clear it respects the six. It just wants more than that. So it's done. It's over. He's not playing week one or two or three or four or five or six. You won't see him no matter what happens next.
3: You were all over this from the start. So, I mean, you know, the NFLPA took the approach of we're not going to appeal it because they are happy with the decision. But are they wrong? They, they, I mean, it looks like they were wrong to do that. It's almost, like, well, it's almost like because of this, you have to appeal everything all the time now, almost, to the NFLPA. Am I wrong to say that? They backed themselves into a corner. By issuing
2: that statement on Sunday night. It yeah. was trying to cajole the NFL into respecting the decision of Sue L. Robinson. I mean, there's this weird mindset out there. And I hear it from people in the media. Oh, well, you, you have an independent judge who resolved this case. Why should we not expect her decision? Because everybody agreed that the NFL has jurisdiction over the appeal. Everybody agreed. And and you know my theory, Chris. I think she deliberately found a way to placate the NFL by giving them the factual findings they need to suspend him a lot longer than six games right? and placated the NFLPA by only suspending him six games. Now nobody's upset with her. Nobody's going to exercise their prerogative to fire her and cause her to lose her ability to hold herself out as somebody who's the disciplinary officer for the NFL-NFLPA personal conduct policy appeals, which is a real thing. Yeah, Lawyers market themselves. We talked about doctors doing the same thing. Nick Riviera, the official doctor, the Jacksonville Jaguars. (laughs) That's a thing you want that relationship because it makes you more in the eyes of the average person attractive in that service that you provide.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I, I hear you there. That's it's it's I I mean, to me, it, it has a bad look for the NFL PA and that's maybe where they should have, you know, just more strictly stuck up for their player. You know, a little bit maybe like other sports. They did. They did. They, I they, know, they, but they maybe they need to claim like, hey, six games is that's still too much. He missed all last year and we're going to appeal it, you know, just for this very reason. And that, that to me is where, again, we know the owners have all the power really in this league. It, we we yeah there's there's deals agreed to and I know there's a CBA and all that the NFL PA is never going to be as strong as some of the other sports because NFL players don't play as long so they're never going to band together to draw a hard line on some of this stuff and really get what they want and that's where I find it you know um, the NFL PA has to be that. They got to be the jerks here, and I don't know if they were jerky enough on the behalf of Deshaun Watson. Again, I'm not sticking up for Deshaun Watson here. I'm just talking about the NFL PA and things I've seen throughout my lifetime covering the NFL, and I think they dropped the ball as far as he's concerned with this one.
2: Chris, they were dealt a horrible hand. They were. They I know the that best too. They could with it, right? And I think, if anything, they got a little bit overly intoxicated with their success in getting a six-game suspension, and maybe they didn't think through the idea. And you know what? And maybe they think subjectively he doesn't deserve to play. Maybe. One. Maybe I mean, you're right. They have a federal obligation under statutes crafted by Congress years ago that govern this relationship to represent the interests of all players. When they're being potentially disciplined by the NFL. But you know what? Not every defense lawyer believes in his client. Right. And and Deshaun Watson did it. Judge Robinson found he did it. Nonviolent sexual assault of at least four individuals, the four that were presented to her, he did it. And I you know, the the union has done a good job of making chicken salad but the reality is the the chicken salad is going to is going to turn quickly back into what it originally was once Peter Harvey issues his ruling. That that's that's it plain and simple. And now we wait. We talked about it yesterday. I expect the decision at some point this week. There's been a question of whether or not the union wants to have a hearing on appeal. It doesn't matter. There's no new evidence. It's just a way to talk to him, try to reason with him. And I know Jeffrey Kessler probably thinks he could maybe maybe try to to, you know, pull a jedi mind trick on him it's it's just not going to work peter harvey's going to do what he thinks the league wants him to do it's that simple it I, I, and it it's not no even way. cynical it's obvious no, he's it going to do what the league wants him to do because he values that relationship look at his bio at his law firm the nfl relationship is very very high up in his recitation of things he's done it's r- yeah. it's right after former new jersey attorney general right works for the nfl yep. with the nfl whatever whatever the specific language is let's go ahead and take a break uh we're gonna do a training camp edition of oh what a catch and then we've got an intriguing draft this year this this day not this year this day that technically isn't a draft but we're, we're gonna make it work we're gonna jam the square peg into the round hole because it's kind of a fun topic we'll be back with more pft live right after this
1: are you really sensitive about what i said last year after i scored that touchdown Okay, let's get into it. Um, So you said, I I, I own you. I can own you to the city of Chicago. The city of Chicago has $38.7 billion in debt. So Mm. are you going to pay that? That's a good one. I mean, if you own us... No, I was. I don't think I'm saying that about the entire city. Now, maybe Soldier Field, every fan who was flipping me off.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, that okay.
1: negativity that was kind of coming my way.
2: I actually own you because I'm a Packers owner, in fact. Yeah. So I own you, you own him. You
1: own a piece of paper that has yeah, no, it's, zero no, it's actual value.
2: <laughs> oh, there it is. Aaron get Rodgers gets it. Yeah. He gets it. It has no value. You don't own the team. It gives you the ability to say we. Maybe. It's a donation to the team. It's a passing of the hat. We're going to talk more about that dynamic later in the program because they don't have a naming rights sponsor, so they just get the money from the fans once every 10 years. They make donations at $300 a pop. So, And it becomes a nice piece of memorabilia. From I love the he did you that. In the wall. Today's draft. Today's draft. Yeah. The best memorabilia you've ever owned, which really can't be a draft because it's not like you and I have wrestled for the same item. Right. So this is just what are each of our three We're, most it's a brag, favorite a braggadocious things that we have? Yeah. Right. <laughs> My dad didn't, you know, win two Super Bowls. Well, win one. Yep, I win. I got two Super Bowl
3: rings. One. You don't. So yeah, the draft's exactly. over. <laughs> so it's over right there. Go <laughs> ahead. Go ahead. What do you got? All right. Well, you don't want to ask me the the, the question. Oh, here? okay.
2: Well, how, I, I don't no know. This. You don't know the answer. I know. I'm don't not know. sure. Who did
3: big Phil throw his first career touchdown to? And do you have that ball? No, I, I, I honestly, when I just I saw this, I was like, oh, man, I, this is one I might not actually know. And mm, I'm going to say Ernest Gray. I don't but I don't Ken know that
2: Johnson Ken Johnson.
3: Week five, 1979
2: wow. at New Orleans. Running back, Ken Johnson. I, uh, but go ahead and take the first pick anyway, because we're not going to have any overlap. Okay, honestly. yeah, that's there's, right. There's, there's no there's no must-have pick that I was squatting on, waiting for you to miss the question.
1: Well,
3: the coolest moment I'll maybe you know one of the coolest moments of my life, and yeah, I've been very fortunate to be around some really great sports stars and stuff like that. Uh, but the, the takes the cake is. The the celebrity golf tournament, right, that goes on every year. NBC covers it out there in um, Nevada. Tahoe. Yeah, Lake Tahoe. I couldn't think of the damn lake. And uh, back when my dad was playing football, we used to go out there every now and then. And one of the years we went out there and I got to meet Michael Jordan. And it was special. I got Michael Jordan. I got two autographed cards, right? and Oh, wow. I know. And two autographed cards and, and got them while he was in. In the casino, gambling, right? Which he, you know, became kind of famous for after that, for gambling and stuff like that. Dad used to play cards, and uh, with Charles Barkley and Michael Jordan. I think Michael Jordan still owes Dad money, but Dad's not the kind of guy that's going to call him and collect it. And but either way, that was a special moment where I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, an 11 year old kid. It was Michael Jordan. I think fresh off of winning the first championship, maybe the second. And uh, I'll never forget that ever as long as I live and I still have those two cards, uh, of course. I, I can't even begin to, I mean, wh- where, where, where do I go from there?
2: <laughs> Dad wasn't taking me around to hang out with Michael Jordan I'm sorry. when I was yeah. growing up. I so know. It is kind of jerky. I,
3: I feel kind of silver spoonish and laissez-faire. Even, I yes. <laughs> well, well,
2: of course, you're proving Steve Young right all these years later. <laughs> um, yeah, I should have picked first and said I've got two Michael Jordan autograph cards that I didn't buy that he just gave to me. All right, I, I've got I, I've got I I th- this one this one this is clearly the best piece of memorabilia that I have because it's personalized and it's cool, and I I've never been authorized to say that I have this. Let me tell the story very quickly. A few years back, I was talking on the phone to a head coach in advance of a game. And I said, you know, one of the fascinating things about what you do, you could spend as much time as you want looking for any little thing to give you an edge, any little thing, watching plays, doing this, doing that. You know, I, I wouldn't know when to stop. And he said, you know, you're kind of freaking me out. I, I got to get back to work. And he hung up. And five minutes later, he called back and he said, I found something. I found something that I'm going to use this week. I'm writing the play up. I'm sending you the card. I'm putting it in the mail. And I'm going to use it during the game. And it's going to work. And I'm going to call you afterward, and I'm going to tell you it worked, and the play is going to come in the mail, and it all happened.
3: That's amazing. It all
2: happened exactly as he said, and I have the card in loose sight down in the barn. I hope the barn doesn't burn down. It's got the play call on the front, the name of the play. It was one of these that coach saw someone else do something, and either that's going to work against this defense, used it, and it worked, scored a touchdown, won the game. And I, I, I've never asked, can I – Tell the story, right. Like disclose the name. So I'll tell the story. Maybe one of these days. I'll but, but I can verify. Why. I and can it's, verify. Uh, it's everything. It's yeah. it's the it's the it's got the name of the coach printed on it. It's all signed. You know, it's all hand written. It's got it's great. It's great. It's awesome. It's great conversation piece for anybody who comes to the barns first thing i show people
3: so uh, that's mine that's it's hey that's cool i don't give a damn you know whatever michael jordan whoever that's that's damn cool right and it there. happened against the vikings uh, that's even <laughs> better Ooh, that made <laughs> yes, i love it i love it that's why yeah. he liked it. that's probably why he did it to you even more but so, i can verify so, spoiler your. spoiler alert
2: it wasn't it wasn't mike zimmer yeah, no, wait, wait, uh, it definitely wasn't him i can tell you play that in his life <laughs> He didn't drop an offensive play in his life that gave it away
3: uh, right away well, all right the only what thing else mike you got? zimmer wanted to give you as a right hook to your head um so, <laughs> still <laughs> so, may. Yeah, still right uh i i have a muhammad ali autograph glove uh, that's how's that number one <laughs> not number one
2: forget mike sorry michael jordan <laughs> but a muhammad ali autograph glove is going over and above because you can buy a michael jordan autograph card yeah you can't I think I think it's probably hard to find on eBay or Etsy an autographed Muhammad Ali glove. I I,
3: I, I didn't know which one to pick first, but you're right, and uh, I am feeling more like a spoiled brat the farther we go on this this draft here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yep, I didn't I didn't get to meet Muhammad Ali. This is something that, you know, uh, was, was given to my father, really, so I'm not going to take full credit here. One was personalized to him, and then the other one was just his autograph, and I have the other one. And, yeah, I mean, that's special. You know, Muhammad Ali being from Louisville, I had someone that my dad knew, you know, there was a common someone that knew my dad and Muhammad Ali, and they, he got it orchestrated, but, yes, I mean, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, uh, it just doesn't get any bigger than that. So yeah, that that was a pretty damn good one. Hey, hey, I think Phil could, I think Phil could have gone a couple rounds with Muhammad Ali. Oh yeah, Phil's, I was, <laughs> the the big effort, you know, he could have hung in there and taken a few jabs <laughs> to the head before Muhammad I mean, knocked you know, him out. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he could, he
2: could, he could at least pull like a Tex Cobb and just take a beating for fifteen definitely. rounds, and then you know, nobody can never Sims go can take a
3: beating. That's for sure. We know that. <laughs>
2: All right, uh, next one for me. This was one of the years we were at the Super Bowl, and we had the NBC Sports Radio show, and we had a helmet there, and we had people sign it all week, and I've got it down in my library. I gave a significant contribution to charity in order to secure the thing and bring it home, and there's all sort. Of, I mean, Hall of Famers all over, and I got a list of all the different autographs that are on it, and you know how it goes Super Bowl week. All the ones there, but best story of all, it was 2016, so it was out in, in San Francisco in advance of Super Bowl – Fifty. Jared Goff made the rounds that week, along with Joey Bosa. They were entering the draft. And Jared Goff, obviously the first pick in the draft, he signed it. And my son was very concerned that Jared Goff's signature was on this helmet with all these Hall of Famers and cetera. I said, why are you so concerned? He said, what if he sucks? So... That's that's a fair that's a fair concern. It's <laughs> a fair assessment. If he if he, if he just, maybe that's why I'm mad he didn't make that throw to Brandon Cooks in Super Bowl 53. My helmet becomes more valuable with the presence of Jared Goff's name on it, his right. autograph on it. If he actually becomes more than Jared Goff had been. All right, do, do we got to go to break? Or are we doing the last one? One more minute. Let's go.
3: Last one. It's like so. I mean, I have a lot of obnoxious autographs. I don't. I almost don't even want to talk about it anymore because I feel like I'm. I, I I do. Well, I mean, hey. From my dad, I mean, I, I have a helmet, of course. I got, you know, I have, uh, I have a Super Bowl MVP watch that I wore on the pregame show last week. I'll say that. I mean, anything my dad, you know, of course, the, the rings, he'd be willing to give me the ring right now, probably. You know, he knows I'm going to share it with the rest of the family. So those are really special to me. But I do wear that watch, you know, from time to time because it, it was a proud day, January Wait. 25th, 1987.
2: I think I've asked you this before. Between you and Matt, who gets the real Super Bowl ring?
3: Well, I should the get the first one since Matt wasn't even alive. So, yeah, and I was sure. there, so I should get that one. He can have the second one. But of course, we're family, and we could share, and we can we can find a way through it.
2: All right, we got to go to we got to go to break. I'll do my pick when cool. we come back, and then we have some important news coming out of Cincinnati. Very important news, unexpected news. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this. Shout-out to Orlando Bloom, the left tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs. I think he would get <laughs> overmatched against Jordan Davis. He'd be the guy getting pushed around on skates. But, uh, yes, Chris did accidentally say Orlando Bloom instead of Orlando Brown earlier in the program. All right, the, la- the last item for me, and some may find this fascinating, I actually have a handwritten signed thank-you note from, from the commissioner of the National Football League, Roger Goodell.
3: Wow. it was a, it, I, I lost you in there for a second. You said it was – what was it that you signed? Handwritten, signed, thank you note. Wow. What? the commissioner. Was yeah. he, we need to drug that? test him. Was there something wrong with him <laughs> that day? What the He's hell is he the doing? He's Ayahuasca. He was on uh, Ayahuasca with Rogers. <laughs> Ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. I don't know if
2: the H is uh, silent or not. How about this? No longer silent in Cincinnati when it comes to naming rights. PayCore Stadium is now the name of Paul Brown Stadium. They have finally done it. They need the money to pay their core players. Yeah. Hey-oh, Paycor Stadium. Now, that's better than Acrosure. Sorry, I like Paycor better, although uh, I'm sure the money will come in handy
3: for Joe Burrow and others. Joe <laughs> Burrow Stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
2: All right, we're out of time. Go go! put on your Muhammad Ali glove. All right. Everybody have a see great day. I'd like
3: to punch you with it.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022